Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. Well, I guess how you haven't seen this setup in a long time or maybe ever. If you're new to City on a Hill, welcome. Yeah, and I just want to tell you this morning that I'm going to be part preaching, but my real burden, my real heart this morning is to really pastor you. What do I mean by that? Well, I don't think any of us can deny the days we're living in. The things we're seeing on the television set every day, every week. And Joe's tired of me talking to the television set. (laughs) CNN won't listen to me. Fox has had it with me. So you're stuck with me. Uh, I, I do, I truly do feel as though you can shoot up that one PowerPoint Scotty, there's, the, there's two of them, right? Four. There's four of them? Oh, they put them in four. Okay. They're very frustrated. With the cell phone on it is the one I'm thinking right now we can do. The reason you're going to see a cell phone number is because I'd like this to culminate into questions and answers. And I'm um, not saying I got the answers, but I'm saying that uh, we can talk and... Uh, I mean, you know, brothers and sisters, if the church of Jesus Christ doesn't have some answers to some of the things that we're dealing with in the news and in the hour we live in, I think we should re-examine what we're doing here and what the Christian life is all about. But I think certainly and for sure, I want to share with you some of my answers uh, some of the things that I, that I feel are important and some of the things I've chewed on over the years. You're certainly welcome to uh, disagree. Um, debate is always good. But I want you to uh, know where your pastors are landing on some of these issues because I think it's vital for the community that, uh, that you do know that. Just feel free to go sit. You don't have to wait. So, um, the thing I really want to talk about, I kind of have to get there. So, I need to give us just a tiny bit of a background uh, of, of where kind of we're going this morning. So, let me just start by saying this. We sang a song just now that God gave us life. And I think that this is, a, this is one of the issues that we as the church don't really get. You may be a brand new believer. You may just be somebody who's checking the place out. You may be someone who's walked with the Lord many years. What I want to ask you this morning is, if you will kind of just for 40 minutes, however long, let's hope I can try to keep it down to 40 minutes, will you just kind of suspend your judgment and just for a minute let it in what we're going to talk about and just kind of think about what if this is true what what if these things are true turn off the inner critic if you can for 45 minutes you can go out and bash the whole listen to it again and bash it but for 45 minutes turn off the inner critic if you could if you would so the issue you see for so much the, the church i was just reading the other day the churches in Europe are just, uh, you know, I, we know that it's been a downward spiral, but they say now the church in Europe is just almost dead, uh, traditional churches. Um, what's going on? What's going on on the political scene? What's going on on the national scene? What's going on on the world scene? Does God or his word have anything to say in the midst of this? Well, I think... I need to start here. I need to start with, um, you know, there's a lot of discussion about, are we in a world war? 
there's a lot of people, including I think the Pope. Did he not come out this week and say it's a, we're in a, we're in the war we're in a world war? I thought I heard him say that. Right, he did. So you know, a lot of discussion. Are we in a world war? And I just want to tell you that um, from the book that we read and the book that we believe is the uh, truth. Is the um, how do I put it? Is um, is God's um, reality is reality. I can tell you that for us, for the um, 40 something years, 45 years that I've been reading this book and I've staked my life on the book, I can tell you it amazes me. It amazes me. Every, every year I'm alive, it amazes me more. Just how factual and how accurate and how real uh, this book is. So, so let's just start for a minute and just talk about what is the Christian life. The church is dying, really? Oh, okay. So I think that something, just like we see, I, I believe, in the political realm, I think there's been an, there's being an uncovering of, you know, what's going on behind the scenes? What's, you know, that which is not reality is being exposed? That which is not, um, that which is... Uh, not authentic, is being exposed. I kind of think that's happening in every system. And you have to understand that religion is just as much a system as politics is. What do I mean by that? I mean that there's a difference between the religious system and true Christianity and the life of Jesus. Let me just start by saying this. Let's come to the garden a second. We're always started at the garden, right? And let's go back to the garden this morning. Here we are in the garden. And I want you to just kind of get the feel of angels watching this going on, right? And here, the Almighty, the Almighty, the one that the angels worship and bow down to, are watching him do some very strange things. First of all, he creates this planet called Earth. And I don't know, maybe that wasn't a hot, big hot thing to them because maybe they had seen him do many of the other planets before that. But something about this planet is different, and they see that, that there's something to him that's different about this planet. And then he starts by creating, you know, we can go through the whole list. He starts with light. He creates the, uh, he plant life. He creates animal kingdom. But then all of a sudden, he does something very, very strange. He creates this creature. And this creature is made out of, out of a body and a soul. Now, if you don't know what a soul is, your soul is your mind and your emotions and your will. So here we go. Okay. So now we have... The animal, we have the animal kingdom, we have the plant kingdom. Okay, we have all these things. But now there's something about this one. And God says, there's two trees. He says to the man and woman, this tree, you can have all you want. This tree, don't touch. What the angels didn't understand was this creature that God made was let, let me well, let me go back and say this the tree that he that he did not want them to partake of was the second highest life in the kingdom do you know what the second highest life was fallen angel life that the fall had taken place and i'll get you back there someday i'll explain it to you but the second highest life was in that tree. He didn't want them to partake of that tree. He wanted them to partake of the tree of life. The tree, say it with me, the tree of life. What they didn't understand is what kind of life this was going to be. Now, if you and I could take our religious glasses off, we would be, we'd fall to the floor right now with what I'm going to tell you. 
we'd fall to the floor if we really could take it in. What they didn't understand was that in that tree of life was the highest life in the universe. It was God's very own life. It was God's life. And God said, that's the tree. He desired man to eat. So listen to this. You see, Bible says that we're an earthen vessel. See, man, we don't understand that we have been made. We are the one hybrid on the, on the earth. While the kingdom of the animal kingdom, the plant kingdom, they're just one species. Do you understand that God made humanity to be a hybrid? We are the only creature in the universe that was made to be, live in two realms. We were made with a body from the, from the dirt to live on the earth. And we were made to have a spirit that housed, uh, that housed the very life of God. What? And we have relegated Christianity to coming to a few meetings and doing some good things. Will I offend anybody? Sorry. I take my shoes off. This is home, right? I'm just pastoring. I'm, I, so I'm not giving you a sermon so I can do what I want. We have settled for something that is so far beneath what God has for us as the people of God. I wonder whose job that was to do. Huh. Interesting. So we've settled for a system, a religious system. And it's no better or different than all the other systems, whether it be politics or economics or art or literature or, or commerce or you name it. It's a system. God isn't behind it. God isn't behind the religious system either. Man was the first. The Psalm 8 says, what are, what is, who is man that God is mindful of him? If we could see a tiny bit today, have a little tiny revelation of who man was created to be, who you were created to be, you and I would not leave here today. I'm going to weep today when I finish. Because I'm going to cry that so many people will walk out of here this morning and not get it. Father, I'm asking you for a spirit of revelation in this place today, starting with me. If we don't understand this, we settle for a life that is so beneath what God has for us. And we, and the Bible says, and God sows the seed and an enemy comes and, and the, sowed, and, and the seed, is, seed is choked out by things like, you know, the cares of this life. So people throw away this amazing invitation of God to live this amazing adventure with him. Because they're busy with the cares of this life. Doesn't mean we don't have things to do. But we're talking about the place that we put it. And you will put it there if you do not have a revelation of what the Christian life is about. And honestly, truly, I've been doing this too long. I not interested in religion and I'm not interested in just making meetings. I'm not interested in how many, just collecting more bodies to sit in here on a Sunday. I am interested in God. You have to understand God has been, this is God's dream. I'm starting with today, not your dream. We live in a world that is so man-centered. We just, our whole worldview is man-centered. It comes from Europe, a deist mentality. You know what that means? It, it kind of means that God created everything, then he went away on vacation, and it's really kind of up to us. And now man can do anything he wants to do. I've got news for you. God is tearing that down in the hour we're living, and he is showing man. You, Oh, really? Oh, so you think you can do anything? So it's all in your power to do it? Go ahead. Brothers and sisters, if we saw how much bigger this is than the Democrats and the Republicans and the White House or human governments, it would, you know what we would do? 
we would pray a whole lot more than we pray. We'd pray a whole lot more than we pray. We wouldn't relegate it to just, you know, when somebody's sick or when this is wrong. Or We would understand the power that you and I have in our hands as the redeemed people of God. Regenerated. So, after the fall of man, do you know what happened? Adam dragged was dragged this dead spirit around. Now he had a soul that got all out of proportion. And sin now came to reside. Angel fallen angel life came to live in his body. His soul was distorted. And now he dragged around this dead spirit. That was Adam 1. But there's one thing you and I have got to understand. Lord, help me. You and I have got to understand that there's nothing wrong in heaven today. The battle is in the earth. The battle is about the earth. The battle is about the seen natural realm. That's where the battle is. And there is an enemy that will do anything to keep his defeat manifested in this realm. You know what that means? He's going to contest every healing. He's going to contest every marriage that, that's recovered. He's going, to, he's going to contest a church that walks together. He's going to contest a man or a woman who's following the spirit of God. He, his job, you see, the battle is Satan came in in that garden and said, Because Adam and Eve handed authority over to him. Now, he has authority in the seen natural realm. And that is where the battle is. And if you and I don't know it, you can get really ripped with God. Because if you don't understand that it's not just about you getting and you and I getting our prayers answered and getting our healings and getting although God wants all those things. Look at Jesus and you see him do all those things. But it is not first about you and me. It is first about God getting his dream, which is this. He is not going to defeat Satan in the natural scene realm. The church is. Oh, I don't know. Did you hear me? He is not going to defeat Satan in the seen realm. The churches. That's your job. That's my job. This was, Then, after Adam ditched it all, first Adam, second Adam, you know who that was. God needed a man in the natural realm because the, he handed this planet over to a man. That's his plan. A man, take dominion, Adam. Guard it and rule it, Adam. I'm giving it to you. This is your sphere under me. You're the, care, you're the caretaker of this place. But when he... When he lost that, when we lost that. Now God needed another man to do the job. Hmm. Well, he got one. And that man had a father from another world and a mother from this one. Sound familiar? He had to have a parent from this world, from the earth, because he had to be a man. Some of you should be saying, wow, wow, or that's really like, wow. You can wow. I'll let you wow. Wow. Okay. Wow. You don't have to be religious. Just wow. Let me tell you, I've known these things. Should live. I should hope they have more effect on me. I, I want God to change that, but I'm still wowing. When God renews me in these things, I'm, 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 I'm like blown over this week. Sitting in these truths again, blown over that this is real, that this is real, and this war is real. And you can, whatever you think about the forget the war, 
that they're talking about. You are in a war. If you have been born of God, let me tell you, you've got a, you've got a mark over your head. And he's busy getting you interested in the cares of the world. Hold on, because as a pastor, I am allowed to offend. It's in our rules. If you read it, we are allowed to offend people on occasion. Our master did it. So make your kids your whole life. Make your job your whole life. Go ahead. Have success. Do it. Raise great kids. Have a great job. Get your house and your two cars and everything you want. And forego this calling that you have as a human being. This adventure to be one of his. So God, the second Adam, was now a spirit, a soul, and a body. You know what that means? It means that he could say, yeah, I saw Satan fall from heaven. Remember when he said that? And he said, before Abraham was, I was. What is he talking about? Is this man a lunatic? No. You see, in the spirit world, Jesus could look back. He could look forward. He'd tell people what was coming. These days are going to happen, and this building is going to come down in three days, and this is what's going to happen. In the spirit, he was in another realm. He was telling them things from the past, telling them things in the future. He was moving in the supernatural, pulling loaves and fish out of the, out of the, out of the supernatural realm because he was the first man that had a spirit that had God's life in it. Finally, God got his man. What do you see in the book of Acts? You see these ignorant, uneducated, some of them, fishermen. And look at what they looked like when the power of God hit the God's life, hit them in the spirit. They changed Rome, turned it upside down. And you see all through the book of Acts, you see they do exactly the same things Jesus did. They raised, did they raise the dead? Who'd they raise? Tabitha. Paul raised her. That's right. Tabitha, where are you? You fell off the window. You remember that story? They raised the dead. They healed the sick. They opened blind eyes. Cripples walked. They did everything the master did because why? They had the life of God in their spirits. They were man as God desired him to be the first time. Listen to me. Genesis 3 is the fall of man. Genesis 1 is God telling him, have dominion, rule, keep, have these relationships. But the church so often settles for recovering Genesis 3. Genesis 3. Recover. The fall of man. And get more people recovered and get them to accept Christ as their Savior. Wonderful. Isn't that wonderful? To get more people to know Christ, to be born again. That's why you have to be born again. It's not some little cracked little saying that a few people came up with. I remember my my mother when we became born again and she was like, born again. Little Italian lady, you know, in the Catholic church all her life. Born again. What are you starting your religion for, she said. Mom, it's not my own. This is what a real Christian is. A real Christian, you have to be born again. You need his life in your spirit. And for us, for Joe and me, it was 1973. Two little Catholic kids that didn't know anything. Walked into a marriage encounter. Oh, something's starting to happen. I don't understand. What is this? Oh, this feels funny. The Bible? I don't know. What's the Bible in the Bible in my life. For me, for me, one day in my family room, I had a... I did. And I dropped to my knees and I said, oh my God, you're real. Now let me tell you something. Do you know what a definition of a Christian is? Forget your doctrine, because we all disagree about a thousand things. That doesn't make you a Christian. 
The definition of a Christian is, is Jesus real to you? Or is he still historic? If Jesus is real to you, you cannot know him, the scripture says, except by the power of the spirit. The spirit reveals Jesus. You know, this is not my sermon. Did you know that? This is all my background. But it's so important to understand. If you and I do not understand this, you and I will never understand who the church is and what the, and what the battle is and what the problem is. That's up there for any time during this, this, this message. You can text. They're going to get it over here up front, and we're going to look at some of your questions if you're interested, if you have them, whatever. Okay. So if you don't understand what the church is, let me that, give me that slide, uh, that first slide, please. Uh, starts out with Ephesians 6, I believe. I'm talking about all this power, honestly. It really makes me look bad, Scott. Okay. So, so Ephesians 6 is going to come up there in a second, and it's going to tell us that our battle is not against flesh and blood doesn't say you don't have a battle. Oh, you're in a battle. But it's not against the person sitting next to you. It's not against the person in front of you. It's not your ex-husband. It's not your, uh, it's not your politicians. It's not the Democrats. It's not the Republicans. And if the church comes down to that level... In the natural realm, and we start making a battle down in... in, That is so small. I hope you can read it. Can we make it bigger? No, huh? Okay. If we come down like everybody else, then we're just like the rest of the world, and we can just go fight with the people you don't agree with. Then let's all just go fight with... Let's just be like everybody else on CNN and Fox. But if we have anything to say to our culture... If we have anything to say to our country, it's this. You are fighting the wrong battle. Because, listen to me, saints. Because Ephesians 6 tells us we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the, the rulers of this darkness, the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's the battle. Who are they? Who are these principalities and powers? What are they doing? God originally created a level of angelic beings to be in between earth and heaven to help facilitate the atmosphere and the influence of heaven on the earth. But when when man fell, it didn't just affect him and her. It it affected the whole creation. That's why the Bible says all of creation waits for the manifestation of the sons of God who are supposed to come and do something and take authority in the natural realm because God's not going to do it without man. And this zap mentality we have, I pray God zap it. God says, really? No, I, I don't. I want to work through you. Don't you get it? I don't want to be that God off there. I called you into partnership with me. So he says, Elisha, Elisha, he said, stop rain. Okay, Elisha stops the rain. And then he says, Elisha, it's time to bring the rain. Three years later, right? So what do you think? Wouldn't you think? Okay, Elisha goes, okay, rain, rain. Nothing happened. Seven times Elisha had to say to his servant, Go look and see if anything's happening. Take a look. Tell me, is rain started? Seven times. Seven times. Go back again. Nothing? Go back again. Elisha prays in the position of childbirth, actually. He bows down seven times. Go back. Nothing? Nothing? Seven times. Finally, he says, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. Rain came. God's looking for people to partner with him, brothers and sisters. This isn't a fairy tale. 
this isn't a little zap me prayer. If, if you want to be really someone who really answers the call to really live the Christian life. So I had to tell you this because we live in a worldview that when I start to talk about angels and demonic powers, there's so much warfare to tell us it's, it's a fairy tale. Oh, the Middle Ages, they bought all that stuff. But we're smarter now. We're educated now. Well, let me just say this. I want my worldview to be Jesus' worldview. And that's not what my master said. And from Genesis to Revelation, you're in a war. You and I are in a war. And now, let me start to move into what I want to say to you this morning. I taught in a Bible school in New York City some years ago. And I made this statement. And this little uh, pastor from Queens thought I was absolutely out of my mind and wouldn't come back to my class. Okay, let me tell you what I said. I said that the Christian life is totally supernatural. And he said, what what do you mean, supernatural? (laughs) Because we're so used to the people on TV going, boo, and doing all kinds of things that we think are weird. We think, well, I don't want to get into the supernatural. Let me just tell you, there is no Christianity that is not supernatural. Do you know what supernatural means? Above the natural. Superior to the natural. Listen, if it's just natural, let's close our Bibles and go home. What do we need to be here for? Brothers and sisters, we are living in a day. If you and I do not understand that this is a supernatural book written by a supernatural God and that I need a supernatural life inside of me because I have a supernatural enemy and I need supernatural weapons. And if I don't understand that, I'm going to be fighting flesh and blood and I'm in the area of Satan's domain and I'm already defeated. But the Bible says that if you are a regenerated child of God, you have not only been redeemed, your sins have not only been forgiven, You should say, wow. You are seated with Christ right now. That spirit realm, the two parts of you. You're here on the earth, but your spirit is seated with Christ in heavenly places. Far above every rule and every dominion and every name. And the church has authority in the earth and in the natural realm. And the prayer meeting gets out about 20 people. Yeah. Because we don't understand it's a supernatural war. Do you know what prayer is? Being in touch with the commander. It's Somebody wrote a book years ago. In touch with the throne. That's what prayer is. Oh, if we had any idea what goes on when we pray. When we get down on our knees. We pray. We have no idea. I have absolutely too much to say this morning. How much time? What time is it? My watch isn't working. Sorry? It's 11? Oh, you've got two hours left, right? So our battle is against principalities and powers and rulers of this present darkness. So what I want to tell you, oh, oh, you don't, you're not sure about that. Okay, you're not sure about that. Let me read to you some evidence of that. Let me read to you uh, the last verse, which is 1 Corinthians 2.8. However, Paul says, we speak wisdom, because Corinthians says there's the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of the kingdom. So he's comparing those wisdoms. And he said, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Hang on. Which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they 
would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Wait a minute, Linda. I thought you said Pontius Pilate and Herod crucified Jesus and those bad Jewish leaders. Hmm. Now this, okay, to keep your inner critic off. No, people are pawns. They were just pawns. They were just pawns. Do you understand that the spirit world is where it really is happening? And both Satan wants people to be led by him. And it says in John 13, I believe, at the Lord's table, at the Last Supper, I should say, and Satan entered into Judas. Oh, so it wasn't just Judas. It says Satan entered into Judas. Want another example? Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he said, I'm going to be crucified. You all need to know that. And Peter's like, Master, Master, what are you talking about? That's crazy talk. Far be it from you to be crucified. What did Jesus say? Get thee behind me, Peter. Get thee behind me, Satan. For you're minding the things of man and not the things of God. It says Satan came to David to count Israel in a census out of his own pride. Go read it. It says Satan influenced David to do this. Okay, hang on to your seat. Right now, Satan has an influence against you in some way. Right now. I don't know what it is. You need to find out. But there's some plan and some strategy that right now he has against you. Maybe Jesus isn't real to you, and that's where he's going to keep you. Or maybe Jesus is real to you, and you're just going to sit back and fight flesh and blood. And you're just going to fight the people around you. And you're going to just beat yourself up. Or you're just going to be involved in the cares of this world. I don't know. What is his plan towards you? Because he sure has one. And he's sure influencing you. Whether you or I know it or not. Because it is a spiritual world. Now, is that a cop out? Can I, remember that old guy on the TV when we were growing up? It was the devil made me do it. Who was that, honey? And laughing or something? Flip Wilson. The devil made me do it. Now listen. Certainly we are saying that he's an influence. It doesn't give you and I an out to do and live any way we want or to sin. Without a doubt, no. Because... There's a, there's a partnership with God and there's a partnership with the dark spirits. What the Satan, listen to me, this is important. And if you don't, this is a foreign subject to you. Read John Eldridge. He's wonderful on this topic. He's the best. What God, what, what the enemy wants, what God and the enemy want from us is for us to agree with them. So when he comes and tells you what's going to happen in your future and he tries to frighten you and he wants you to agree with them but God wants you to agree with what he wants for your future and what and what you say to your kids because you're mad at them and everything he Satan says well you know what they're this that your husband's this and that your wife's this and that and he wants you to say yeah you know he is he really absolutely not saying he doesn't have some things to straighten out But the powers of darkness exacerbate the flesh. And you don't even know it's happening. Civil rights issue in America today. He wants the black people. He wants the black people to think it's all the white people. Wants the white people to think it's the black people. The Republicans that think it's the Democrats. Now, I don't hear me say I don't think it's important. I'm very up on politics uh, because I think it's important that, for a lot of reasons, we're all dealing with systems that are imperfect in this life. So, I mean, certainly I'm involved. You need to vote. You need to prayerfully vote. You need to know what the issues are. But don't, we're not like the world who thinks this is a battle of flesh and blood. And when we start, and the Bible says in Matthew 24, which let me just give you two sentences to to put that in a context. Matthew 24 is when the master himself talks about the end of the age coming. 
Now, I'm not, this is not a, this is not a, a talk about the end of the age. But I will tell you two things. From the time I was a brand new Christian, I sat under a man called Lance Lambert, who, who was an absolute scholar, spoke five languages. I mean, the man brilliant. And Lance taught us since we were babies in Christ about the prophecies of the end time, when the age was going to start wrapping up. And one of the big things was this, two big things. The nation of Israel coming together, the dry bones coming together, that was a sign. And he taught us that the world would eventually come all together. And there would be one world government and one, one world religion. And I laughed in the 70s. I like, Europe, they're so divided. The English hate the French still. The French, what's ever going to happen? And I cannot believe in my lifetime... What I am seeing happen. Okay, let me just add to you, that doesn't mean that anybody has an idea. That could take another 50 years. I don't have any idea how long it's going to take. But I think if you have any understanding of Bible prophecy, you've got to understand something is going on that is so prophetically uh, hitting the nails on the head that it's a little shocking, I think, to even people that really know prophecy a lot more than I do. Okay. I say that to say that in Matthew 24, Jesus said, lawlessness will abound and the love of many will wax cold. In other words, the powers of lawlessness and anarchy and violence and chaos will be so, so phenomenal that unless you're living by a supernatural life, You'll never be able to overcome it. Do you know what God's looking for us today, church? I told you that that we need to believe that God, there is a supernatural. Let me tell you, Abraham, do you know what Abraham's secret of faith was? He believed in a supernatural God. You know what Moses believed? He said, if you don't go with me, God, and your presence doesn't go with me, I'm not going. He was promised a supernatural presence with him. His, his, the one who took over him, Joshua, he said, I'll be with you too, Joshua. A supernatural presence will where you go, uh, where you go, I will be with you. I will lead you. Brothers and sisters, let's go to the New Testament. We go all through the Old Testament. Let's go to the New Testament. He is a supernatural God in Mark 16 that said, I will be with you unto the end. And he said, My power, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. Take over from me, church. Put the enemy under your feet because you're in me. Okay. But the church is really confused about warfare. So let me just say a few things about warfare and then I'm going to close. I really could keep you for two more hours. You don't believe in a supernatural life. You don't believe supernatural book. You don't believe in a supernatural enemy and supernatural weapons. We're in trouble, church. If we're just like all men, most miserable. If all we've got is the best CNN and Fox have for us, we're in trouble. So I want to say this. What God wants right now is for us to learn that life inside of us. You need to know a supernatural life. You need to stop trying to please God out of your natural self. You need to say, God, I am. Ne- I love one of Watchmen's illustrations about the man who couldn't quit smoking. And he said, God, that's it. I'm finished. I'm never going to try to stop smoking again. Hallelujah. I'm never going to try again out of myself. Lord, you, I was crucified with you. It's your job. Take over. Stop trying to live the Christian life yourself and learn how to abide in Christ and how to tap and connect with that life inside of you. Brothers and sisters, please don't misunderstand me when I say this, but I was thinking what a supernatural life Joe and I have led. Supernatural. God picked up two people, no Bible school, no seminary, not the brightest tools in the shed, 
really nothing going for us. Truly, truly. And God picked us up and said, follow me, you two. But Lord, we're Catholic, we're Italian. We don't do this stuff. What are my Italian relatives going to say? They had a lot to say, actually. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. How God has ever gotten us here and maintained a community for how many years? Don't tell me about the impossible. That I manned this pulpit for 30-something years every week. I, I got ready for this Sunday and I thought, how did I ever do that? This is crazy. How did I do that? Supernatural. When God calls you, he equips you. I don't, it's like raising kids, you know? And then you go out with some mothers of toddlers and you're like, oh my God, how did I ever survive that? Right? Come on, you, you older women. You say, what? They want you all day like that? Oh my God, it's horrible. Well, didn't you have kids? Yeah, I know, but I must have been drunk half the time. I don't know. I was on tranquilizers or something. I don't know how I did that. Don't look so spiritual. You know, you've thought, you're thinking that too. I don't know how I lived. I don't know how I lived through it. But I had grace to do it then. I don't have grace to raise little toddlers anymore now. And I don't have grace to be in this pulpit every week. I'd shoot myself now. And Joe would shoot me or I would shoot him or one of the other. I have no idea where I am and where I'm going, but it's a supernatural life. And I just really want to end this time together talking to you about, well, if God has these powers, what powers do we have? First of all, 2 Corinthians 10 tells us that we have might, our weapons are mighty through God to the tearing down of strongholds, imaginations. High and lofty things. Um, can't think of the rest of that verse. High and lofty things. That differ with... Well, what's the rest of it? Nancy, what's the rest of that verse? You weren't paying attention. I saw you... <laughs> you could always pay, you'd pay attention. So anyway, okay. Supernatural weapons. Through God. You better know that you are walking with God and that you have a relationship with God if you're going to touch anything to do with spiritual warfare. And let me tell you why. God will let you witness to people. He'll let you bring people to Christ. But let me tell you something. When you start moving around in spiritual, the spiritual, you better know. Do you remember the people when they, the man who came against who didn't have Christ and came against the enemy? And you remember? Jesus I know, Paul I know, who are you? Brothers and sisters, nobody knows your heart next to God better than the devil does. He knows how half-hearted you are. He knows how lukewarm you are, or maybe, may not be. He, you can get away with a lot of things in the natural, but this, when it comes to standing and partnering with God for his heart to be done. That means to be his instrument and bring his kingdom into the natural realm where it can be seen. You better, first of all, be in the church. It's not for one person to do it on their own. Where two or more are gathered, you better make sure that you're under a covering of together as the people of God. Because we are... When, when Paul was finishing the book to the Ephesians and he, he talked about these high grand things in Ephesians 1 and 2 and then he went on to talk about make sure you walk a worthy, your walk is worthy and he talked about husband and wife relationships. Really? Paul, you're just telling us about the heavenlies and we're seated with him and now you're going to talk about our marriages and our relationship to our kids. Oh, brothers and sisters, if you don't think your marriage and your parenting is a spiritual thing, if you don't think the devil is behind your... Our, Helping us with our differences, shall I say? If we don't understand that these things are so important, the Bible says, 
If you're not treating your wife right, don't bother to pray. That's what the Bible says. Husbands, don't bother to pray if you're not treating your wife right. What? That's what I love about Jesus and God. He's so practical. I've met a lot of screwy Christians. I have. I've met a lot. Some of them have walked through those doors. They're all gone now. They're all gone. None of you. But there have been some screwy people that walked in here, Pastor Joe, that had some real weird ideas about spiritual was. But I know Jane Hale, my mother, and the people that I have really sat under that have really touched my life. They were the most practical people in the world. I thought they would be. When I sat with Jane Hale the first time, I thought, oh, oh, I don't know that angels must be, the archangels must, they must be here somewhere. And then she sat there and said, you've got a terrible cold. Drink this orange juice. I thought she didn't pray for me. She made me drink orange juice. That's really weird. I thought she'd just go zap. Well, she didn't. If you're talking about spiritual warfare and bringing the kingdom in this realm, you better make sure you know some things. Okay, now some good stuff. He said, he said, because lawlessness abounds, the love of many will wax cold. Do you and I understand that love is a power? It's a force. It's a power. It's a spiritual power. He is saying that if you and I do not know how to tap the life of God, which is his love, that is your protection. The life of God literally will actually help buffet you from the powers that are circulating in the atmosphere of violence and hatred and discouragement. You think it's just you that you can't pray? You think it's just you that you can't read your Bible? Do you think it's just you that it's so hard to get up on Sunday morning and come out? to a meeting? You think it's just you? I've got news for you. It's a lot more than just you. There are powers. And brothers and sisters, just like Daniel said he prayed for the people of God. And when Michael came to him, he said, Daniel, from the time your prayer, you prayed that prayer. It was a yes, but there was a battle for three weeks in the heavenlies to get you. This is not a fanciful This is not a a fairy tale. This is real. There is a war going on. And you and I were born in the middle of it. And we walk into some of these meetings and everybody's sleepy. What time are we leaving here? What time? We're going to lunch, right? Yeah, what are we doing this week? We've got, yeah, I've got that. I hope she finishes quick because I've got a lot to do. And I don't apologize because it's not me. It's not me. Because I'm just like you. I have to fight the battle powers too. But do you know that the church has to break the powers over the towns and areas and cities and the nation that we're in? Do you know that if the church is sleepy and lukewarm and not praying and not agreeing with God, the enemy just floods the atmosphere? And you know what that means? All the powers, they agree. People and the powers of darkness agree. And that's called culture. What is wrong with that anyway? Yeah, right. You think it's just you thinking those thoughts? Is that Rudy over there? How many enjoyed Rudy a few weeks ago? I've heard so many good things about Rudy. So many people told us how much they enjoyed you, Rudy. I should... Is Sonis with them? Is that Rudy? Is that Rudy Jr.? Matthew, Matthew, hi. We're glad you're here. Okay, we'll talk later, Matt. Okay, you and I will just get to get we'll get to know each other. Well, let, let let me finish up with this. I really, I no, honestly, I really am finishing. I really wish I had an hour to talk to you about the absolute one of the biggest weapons that he has given us. And as a church, you're going to be hearing me talking about this over and over and over again in the next weeks. Because if we don't shepherd you and we don't understand this, we will be chopped meat for the powers. God has given us a power that is such a, it's like being in a bubble. It's, it's supernatural and it will guard you. It will keep you. It, it will, it's an amazing, amazing 
weapon he's given us. And I want to tell you what it is. It's his supernatural peace. My peace, I give you. Not as the world gives it to you. If you don't believe in a supernatural peace, and you're just busy trying to have peace because all your circumstances are right, then give up now. Hang up your hat now. Linda, hang up your hat now. Because when you're done with one thing, you'll get another. What did Tom say? You're either going into a problem, in a problem, or coming out of a problem. Let me read you something uh, from a devotional that I read years ago. I was a brand new Christian, and I tried, and I, it has stuck with me over the years. I go back to it periodically, and this is what it says. It just starts out by saying, stop all work until. Lord, grant us your wonderful peace. And it says this, my children, that peace does truly pass all understanding. That peace no one takes from you. No one has the power to disturb that peace, but you yourselves can let the world and its worries and distractions in. You can give the entrance to fears and despondency. You can open the door to the robber who breaks in upon and destroys your peace. Set yourselves this task to allow nothing to disturb your peace, your heart, your heart calm with me. Stop all work. Stop all intercourse with others until this is restored. Do not let those about you spoil your peace of heart and mind. Let me stop there one second. Deuteronomy 20, the Lord said, we're going out to battle. If you're afraid, go home. Because emotions are contagious. He did not want fear running around that army because when you get around the wrong people, their fears jump you. It's a spiritual world. Huh. Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate and Pilate said, don't you know I have the power to take your life? Jesus, what was Jesus' weapon? What was Jesus's? Sorry? Exactly. He said, you have, you, you have no power unless my father gives it to you. And so there was Jesus in this incredible peace that soon Pilate was on trial. Now, I'm not telling you we don't have problems. And I'm not telling you, listen, I'm a counselor. I deal with people getting in touch with their emotions. But I'm telling you there's more than just your emotions working. I'm telling you that we're spiritual beings unless we are watchful and understanding. Hebrews tells us that we should have our senses exercised to know good and evil. We have spiritual, we have spiritual senses. We're supposed to sense things in the spirit. That's why people say, I don't know, I don't know. There's just something in the air over there. Oh, really? Oh, there's something in the air, all right. Who's in the air? Your spiritual powers. And if you don't know it, you're defenseless. And he goes on to say, do not let anyone without any trouble, any irritation, any adversity, disturb it for one moment. Look, now here's, here's the assignment, sitting on a hill. For those of you who want to take this homework, this is my assignment for us. Look on each difficulty as training to enable you to acquire this peace. Every work, every interruption, set yourself to see that none of it touches the harmony of the real you that is hid with me in the secret place of the Father. Your job is not to let anything take your peace. Or you'll never say it. I'll never forget the very first time I got to my feet to speak. I had never spoken publicly before. There was a conference in Farmingdale with all the biggies to me at that point in my life. It was Stephen Kong, um, Watchman Nee's Timothy. I think Lance Lambert was there, my big hero. There was a whole ton of people there that, guys, I had never, I came from a church that didn't even believe women should even be talking. So they asked me to do a devotional. So, I mean, I was throwing up in the ladies' room. I mean, 
And you think I'm kidding. I'm sorry if that was gross, but... I'll never forget it. I, we, we stayed at a, a family's house in Farmingdale for the meeting in the morning where I was going to give the devotional. And I got up that morning, and I can't tell you what it was like. It was though I was in the biggest bubble. It's like nothing could touch me. I was, we were driving to the meeting, and I was like, this is really weird. Like, I had the most incredible calm and peace. I wish I could live with that, but it was a, something God knew he had to do for me. Can I tell you this with giving God all the glory? When I finished the devotional, there was a line of men stand, standing to come and thank me. And they said, one man said, you know, I'm a Baptist preacher. I don't believe women should t- teach men. i got to rethink it. I say that only to give God the glory. This, I want you to know it's real. And for me that day, it was so real. Nothing could touch my peace. It was God saying, Linda, I want now. I want That was supernatural, but I want you to learn how to take my life and live there. And I'd be embarrassed to tell you how much I'm not doing it. That God's woken me up just getting ready to tell you this. Because it started with him telling me a few weeks ago, principalities and powers get the church to see it's not flesh and blood. And you know, when I preach, I'm a little different than teachers. I just start with something he gives me, and then it's a process. I don't never know where it's going to wind up. And I had no idea where this was going to wind up. You cannot afford to give up your peace. You need to ask him, do you know why we don't have peace? Do you know why we don't have faith? How much time are you spending in the word and in prayer? What do you think? This is a war, Linda. What do you think? Do you want faith? Get around God. He gives it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Get by God. Don't keep complaining if you're not spending time at his feet saying, I'm not living unless you give me supernatural peace. I need supernatural peace in my family for this God. I can't function unless you give me supernatural peace. He's waiting for us to say, I won't live without you giving me this supernatural peace. Are you awake out there? Because you're really, really quiet. How are we going to live in the midst of the a world that's filled with devils and, devin, and, and devil-possessed people? <laughs> Conflicts on all sides? Do you think it's going to get better? I have to answer. Because the Bible says that there'll be shepherds who'll tell their people, peace, peace, and there is no peace. And I want you to know that your leaders in this place are telling you things are going to get harder and harder. And we better be people who know the power of the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And the last one, and love not your life unto death. Yeah, I got to close, but this is what I want to say to you. Brothers and sisters, you know, John Eldridge again, I love him. He's got a book out, Moving Mountains, and he talks about consecration in it. Read it. He said, don't have an anniversary without consecrating. Don't have a, a vacation without consecrating it. I thought, the Bible says, submit yourself to God and resist the devil. Don't jump over, submit yourself to God. Concentrate. What do you, concentrate, consecrate this year, the school year coming up. Consecrate your vacation. Lord, we want to consecrate this church afresh to you at this hour. We need to come and submit yourself to God. Listen to me. In a few minutes, I am going to have an altar call. And it's going to be for people who have heard God speak to them this morning. And maybe it's time for you to consecrate your life again. And maybe it's time to come up here and say, God, I'm living for the cares of this world. And I, I'm acting like uh, I'm just coming to church, but I'm not even here. It's time for you. I pray. I have prayed all week that God would open your eyes. And that you would stop settling. And I would stop settling for the life that we are settling for. Because I want to tell you, I have no interest in pastoring a bunch of Sunday, two-hour people, and neither does Pastor Joe or Pastor James. Do you hear me? We have no interest in doing it. We don't care how many people sit in these chairs. What I do want is people that know God, and I want people to be connected to one another and connected to him. And I want to be fighting the right battle. 
Fight the fight of faith. Because it is a battle for your faith. And if you and I don't understand these truths, and again, I'm going to talk more somewhere. We need to talk. We need to talk about peace so much more than I even touched. He's my high tower, my refuge. I want to look at some of the Greek words. In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good. Tribulation means chaos and struggles and problems and stress. Anybody have tribulation in here? I've had more tribulation in the last five years than I could shake a stick at. In this world, you will have tribulation. And I saw somebody do this once on Sid Roth's show, and I thought it was so dumb, and then I did it, and I want to tell you it's been so powerful. I want to give it to you. This is, can't remember the guy's name. This is what he did. He used that verse, and he said this. He said, in this world, you will have tribulation. God, Jesus told you. He promised. He said, the next time you're ready to be, you're overwhelmed by your emotions. Oh, God, I wish I could get into the verses that tell you from Isaiah 53. Die for our pains and our sicknesses. He died to give us shalom, to take away our sorrows. A.B. Simpson, one of my mentors, said this. Don't pray the Lord's Prayer and say, keep me from the evil one. He said, that's a wrong translation. This is what it means. It's keep me from evil. Do you know why that's important? Because evil means keep me from sin, keep me from sickness, and keep me from sorrow. And Isaiah 53 said, not only the chastisement of our peace was upon him. Do you know that you're not supposed to be carrying your sorrows around? I'm not saying it's not natural to have normal sorrow, but I mean it should not overtake us. I don't know about you, but I found I was living on certain sorrow in these last few years and accepting it and not even resisting it and just thinking I had to. It's normal life. It's normal emotions. And I want to tell you, when I resisted it, I want to tell you something's gone from me. And this is what this guy said. He said in the midst of his tribulation, he said he was getting overwhelmed within his emotions and his mind and he was in chaos and turmoil. And he said, and then God showed him to do this. He said he pointed and he said, wait a minute. Ah, Jesus told me you were going to come. And he told me he's already defeated you. Are there any questions? Does everybody have all the answers and they just don't want to to hear from me anymore? Do we have any more? Do we have any questions? Where I was reading from about peace? Me either. Oh, the devotional. You know why I didn't say it? Hmm. Because it has a spurious reputation. It's called Jesus Calling. It was out in the 70s. Some people say it's New Age. Have fun. I love it. I didn't find it New Age. Jesus Calling. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.